0: The pandemic and resulting interruption to education has led increasing numbers of parents and young people to think about whether being at school is the best place for them. While for many of us parents this period of remote learning has reinforced the need for our children to be in a classroom, others have seen it as an opportunity to address the individual educational needs of their children. But does taking them out of mainstream make it more difficult for the young people later in life with qualifications and the like, or is the benefit of a tailored and focused learning too great an opportunity to miss out on? Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, the founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our second season of the podcast, we're following six students as they head towards their GCSEs in 2021 or at least what was intended to be their 2021 exams. Each week, I catch up with these very different teams to see how things are going in a one-to-one coaching session. Then, with a panel of experts in our weekly podcast, we discuss some of the issues that come up. Now, they could be broad things such as motivation or managing mental health, or they could be quite focused, such as how best to revise for a specific subject. These are normal teens, so you can be sure that we'll be covering topics that young people up and down the country will face. So, if you're a parent, carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, quite simply, we're looking at home education. I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Titley. Hannah is the founder of the Homeschooling Association. The Homeschooling Association was created so that parents could make informed decisions and get the most out of homeschooling. Hannah is also a qualified teacher and the director of the Golden Circle, which is the UK's first professional homeschooling group. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. The news has been full of stories about cancelled exams, teacher assessments and catching up on lost learning over recent weeks talking to Robin this week, I was reminded that not everyone has been affected in the same way. Robin, you may remember, is homeschooled. She's already taken some of her exams into 2020 and in spring 2021 sittings, but like everyone else, she isn't able to sit them in summer 2021. Of course, for homeschooled students, this presents an obvious issue. How will they get the grades without teachers to assess them? But underneath that, there are also other considerations. For example, Robin has covered the full syllabus, whereas in schools, teachers have the option to focus on certain areas in more detail. And so Robin is unsure if this is going to give her a fair reflection of her attainment. Hannah, before we begin in earnest, could you let us know if there's a difference between homeschooling and home education?
1: So I think this is a really interesting point. Home education is a broader way to educate students. And lots of parents will choose to educate their child in a different way. They might choose unschooling, they might deviate entirely from the national curriculum. And homeschooling is about taking the national curriculum and teaching it in a different way. So you can almost consider home education as the umbrella, and then homeschooling as a segment of that.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. So it is well, I suppose then exactly as it sounds, it's it's schooling your child from home. And there are websites and providers that will help with that kind of thing, presumably.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Children who are being homeschooled can do it in a range of different ways. So some families choose to flexi-school where their child will attend school two or three days a week, and then they are taught at home through tuition or the parents delivering the lessons. There are lots of online schools which are becoming increasingly popular. So Interhigh is one of those. And some children are schooled in micro schools, which is in small groups where families group their children in groups of four and teach them slightly differently. But often when you're homeschooled, the child will sit exams, public exams at the end of that. So they sit their GCSEs and A-levels as private candidates, whereas if you are home educated, there's no legal requirement to sit exams and some families choose not to.
0: A bewildering choice. I had absolutely no idea, actually, that there were that many different ways that you could cut it. And I think in my own head, that home education was probably my go-to idea of what it was about, that parents who want to take their child out of mainstream school and then follow their own curriculums and all those kinds of things... But collectively, as I understand it, there's an increasing trend for students to come out of the institution, whether that's homeschooling or home education, to follow a non-traditional path. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. So over the last five years, homeschooling, home education has become increasingly popular. So it's estimated that there are currently 75,000 children being home educated in England currently. And this is up from 37,000 in 2015. What we think is interesting is COVID appears to have accelerated this trend.
0: Do you think that's because parents throughout the pandemic and remote learning have had more of an insight into how their own children are learning and interacting with schools?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this year has been an opportunity for children to take a step back from constant testing at school. And for some children, this has enabled them to flourish. So parents have reported that their child is feeling less anxious that they're learning more effectively, and that they also have more free time to pursue extracurricular interests. They're not necessarily parents that would have chosen homeschooling initially, but they've been forced to try it and they've decided to continue because it's worked for their child.
0: So I've got in my own head sort of this idea that if my child is going to be studying at home, homeschooling or home education, that that's actually a, a, a lot of my time is going to be spent being with them and sort of pseudo-teaching, I guess. Is that the case, that parents have to be prepared to invest an awful lot more of their own time in this?
1: So I think traditionally home education was seen as an endeavour that parents were expected to deliver the lessons. And over the last decade, there have just been a lot of new ways to home educate a child that has enabled it to be more accessible to families. So ways that are more accessible for families are... The online schools where lessons are delivered by teachers online and children either participate in group activities online or one to one. Some families use teachers and some children follow online YouTube tutorials which take them through the national curriculum and it's very much independent learning. So there's much less of an expectation on parents to deliver the whole curriculum.
0: Certainly, my experience through remote learning was that my daughter was. Working hard and um, was still conscientious because, bless her, she is, but actually not engaged in the way that I think she would be if she was there in a classroom context because they don't want to put the microphones on and there's no way the video camera's going on. And the teacher obviously isn't there then to see that maybe she's zoned out or she's struggling a bit. Surely that's one of the major drawbacks of. Home educating is that the child is left really very much to their own devices.
1: I think it really depends on the approach and the type of student that this works for. So, some children really benefit from having the space to think creatively and learn independently, whereas, some children, as you said, benefit from being in their social setting and doing group activities and having a teacher there in person. When home school students are being taught, one-to-one by a tutor obviously you actually have a very similar experience to being in school but the class ratio is so much smaller that you actually learn a lot quicker that's what we've seen so far I think it depends on the child the child has to be on board with the idea of homeschooling they have to feel that they are confident in participating in those online activities so we can't compare the children that have been forced to do that with those who choose to do it I suppose is what I'm saying. So it doesn't work for everyone.
0: Because often I think you hear about parents who are making a decision to homeschool home educate their child because something's gone wrong, that for one reason or another the child isn't getting on in the institution or maybe with a particular teacher, and so they feel compelled to. The only thing open to them is to then take them home and find another way of doing it. But actually from what you just described, it actually sounds like there might be might be times when a child who is doing okay in school might actually benefit from a different kind of setting too.
1: I think what we've seen is that school doesn't work for everyone so for children who are talented in sports, art, music or who learn at a different pace to their peers whether that be that it takes them a little bit more time in class to pick things up or if they learn faster then sometimes they benefit from being in either a small group setting like a micro school or working at their own pace at home. When we've spoken to parents, sometimes parents have taken their child out of school because they're learning much faster than their peers. And so they take 13 GCSEs in year 10 instead of taking 9 or 10 in year 11 like they would do in school. And just there aren't those school options available to them that parents would want to send their child to so homeschooling seems like the best option available to them
0: Mm. it still feels like a very bold move though as a parent to do that and maybe we're sort of tapping into an underlying traditionalist streak in me that actually you stick with what's normal and what's accepted unless there's a reason sort of a valid compelling reason not to
1: yeah and I think when parents are choosing homeschooling, lots of them have considered it for a long time. It's not often a rash decision because it does involve some time it doesn't necessarily have to be a full timetable's worth of time, but it does take time for the parent to support their child. It certainly involves some level of resource, even if that is just paying for the exam entry and g c s e age and Parents want to make sure that it is the right decision for their child. So having those initial conversations to make sure their child is on board with it is really important.
0: And you'd also hear of children that have been, and a lot younger children that are being home educated and then reintroduced to the, again, an in inverted commas, normal school institution so that they can sit the public exams. Because I do think there is still a broad acceptance, isn't there, that actually rightly or wrongly, The qualifications that you get are what determine your next step and and so on and so forth. So it is a very, very brave choice to completely step out of that system and determine that actually my child doesn't need to take part in sort of those qualifications. How well do you think in that case, when children do go back into school, that they can reintegrate?
1: we see it fairly frequently where a child is homeschooled for one or two years and then goes back into the school system. We've actually seen it quite a lot recently because people have taken their child out due to COVID. So they've been homeschooled. They've taken their child out in 2020 and they've been homeschooled until COVID measures don't exist in schools, until PPE isn't required in schools. So they're planning to do that temporarily and then they reintegrate their child. I think the important thing is to make sure that parents have to be very proactive in making sure their child is involved with social activities so things like you know drama class or brownies or a sports activity like a football group it's very important that children participate in those activities to make sure that they don't lose the skills required you know children disagree things don't always work out part of being in school is actually learning the skills to negotiate with people and resolve conflicts and so homeschool families have to be very aware that it's important to for the child to be exposed to those kind of scenarios so that if they go back into school they're ready for that experience.
0: We've heard before that actually an essential part of teenage Development and actually all development, but teenage in particular, is that sort of group mentality of being with other teens and of setting boundaries and doing all of those other kinds of things. And can you really get that from a one hour a week drama class or football club? Or do you think there's something more in the interaction that they need?
1: So I think homeschool families or home educators are very aware of this. And so there are a lot of home education groups where children who are homeschooled go out on trips together, either to museums or art galleries. This was happening a lot pre-COVID, and I'm sure it will resume when things reopen. I would say children learn those skills just outside of formal lesson time, rather than just having one hour a week of a social activity. Parents are actually planning those activities every afternoon, so their child isn't in school for six hours a day, like a child would be in mainstream school. The lessons are much more condensed normally and their child might have three hours of lessons per day that are very effective, but their afternoons are filled with social activities, whether it's meeting other home-educated families or participating in something that they enjoy.
0: I think I am in danger of falling into a stereotypical view of hermit-like home-educated children, which is, of course, not going to be the case because children come in all different shapes and sizes and social and unsocial and all of those kinds of things. And so... It is, as you say, incumbent on them and the parents to make sure that they're getting all of the balance of everything that they need to be able to flourish.
1: Exactly. And I think it's really interesting because there is that stereotype. And over the last five to 10 years, the types of homeschool families that we've seen who are adopting this model are very different to that. And we've seen families who are taking their child out, not because they disagree with what is being taught in school, but they just want their child to understand much more than that. So they want them to learn things like coding or entrepreneurship in addition to the national curriculum. And they just want to do things in a different way. They don't feel like school is preparing their child for life or for the workplace. So we're seeing modern homeschool families, which I would argue are very different to that traditional stereotype.
0: I love that idea. And actually, our producer coined the phrase before we talked about it, that school works along the basis of one size fits many, whereas you can't possibly have it so that it works for everyone in all circumstances and I do like the idea that actually you can start to cherry pick and tailor activities or topics according to interest as well as to use in future
1: yeah i think so and this is a concept that's been established in the u.s for a long time homeschooling is more popular there there is a long-term trend for lots of families to homeschool it in different ways I think it seems like a very brave decision for parents to take their child out of school in the UK, simply because homeschool families are still a minority, and therefore you're bucking the status quo. you know, if this continues, and there are more options available to families, as it becomes more popular, it may seem like a less terrifying option, I suppose, to do something different.
0: Certainly with the range of choices, as you say, between micro Lessons, micro classes, and flexi schooling. As I said before, it seems like there's a bewildering array of different ways in which you could cut this. And I guess why not? I mean, it doesn't have to be this notion of you go in at nine and finish at four, as I understand it, although this could be folklore, that actually this entire schooling system was around to get children off of the streets. And so actually, It seems quite right then to question whether or not it's still a suitable method of imparting knowledge and wisdom and learning on our children to prepare them for life beyond school.
1: I think what we've seen is that the modern workplace is very different to what it was 30, 40 years ago. And so schools need to adapt to prepare children for that workplace. That means developing students that are good problem solvers, are creative thinkers who can learn independently, who can solve problems as a group. And the way that the school system is set up in the UK doesn't actually do that right now. There is so much focus on rote learning and memorisation and preparation for GCSEs, which it certainly takes the magic and the enjoyment out of learning, but it also detracts from the skills that actually are very useful when you leave school.
0: It's really interesting as well that you mentioned that schools are there to prepare you for the world of work. Was something that I guess Fabienne talked about. Why? Why do you need to prepare an eight year old or nine year old for the world of work yet? Let them enjoy learning, let them find that love of discovering something new, of creativity, and all of those kinds of things. I do completely accept that there is a point at which you need to be prepared to sit down and work and all of those kinds of things, but there is you would seem quite happily right in arguing a relevant time and place to do that
1: you're absolutely right making sure learning is enjoyable but also equipping children with the skills for life really rather than just work you know the boundary between work and life has become more blurred certainly over the last year and the skills that are required for both to kind of maximize your potential probably overlap and so I would argue that schools should be focused more on making sure children are empowered to maximise their potential and to do what they want to do when they leave school. So
0: 75,000 home-educated, homeschooled students at the moment is a large number, obviously, but still very, very, very small compared to the population at school. I don't even know what that number is, but it must be in millions, I'm sure. So is there a point, do you think, that the government or policy will need to look at reforms to think, actually, this movement is growing so quickly now, doubled over the last five years, was it, I think you said. So, actually, we need to look at this. And the technology that we've seen over COVID, the propensity for parents to take their children out of school while the pandemic's measures continued, must surely be alerting people in Whitehall somewhere that actually maybe we should be looking at things in a slightly different way. Do you think that any changes that would be likely soon?
1: So, I think... Obviously, the focus of the government has been on both Brexit and COVID for a long time. But as we emerge from the pandemic, there will certainly be a shift in focus from the Department for Education on home elected students. We're in favour of a national register. It's very important that children are safeguarded at the moment. There is no central register of children that are educated at home. And we also think that local authorities should support families more with homeschooling. So for example, they could provide support with learning resources, they could fund access to online schools, which are affordable for local authorities to do that, and they could help families connect with other local homeschool students. I think there has been resistance to a national register in the past because Families see local authorities as intervening. We're not saying they should be dictating what children should be taught at home. That's absolutely not the case. It's just that safeguarding needs to be a priority.
0: What would the register? What purpose would it serve?
1: So, local authorities currently are notified if children are offrolled from school or are taken off the school register and their parents choose to homeschool. But there are children who are not on any local authority register and it is very important that for the purposes of making sure a child has mental and physical well-being while they're being homeschooled that someone is there to oversee that. Homeschool families generally do a, a fantastic job and the vast majority of people are doing it really well but there could be a very minor incident where a child is not being cared for appropriately and a school would be the first point of contact to you know, sound alarm bells, and that isn't happening right now.
0: And so, the register would act as some way of, of of knowing where everyone is or where everyone should be, but also of checking in.
1: It would be a way for local authorities to just check in, make sure that the child is happy being homeschooled and that their needs are being met. So it's
0: interesting that the happiness of the child in the homeschooling, I can see where this is something that would have sort of extra complications around it. The decision to take the child out of school, presumably up to a certain point, is entirely down to the parents. So the child's happiness in that decision seems an interesting one to ask in that presumably teachers aren't asking pupils if they're happy to be in school rather than if they'd sooner be at home.
1: You're absolutely right. I think it's more about kind of physical and mental well-being, and making sure that the child is healthy and feels safe in their environment, and that they are receiving the broad and balanced curriculum that the parent needs to offer that child. And
0: presumably the argument runs, if you're doing everything well and right, you've got nothing to worry about. And it's only those who aren't who would then object. Although presumably those people who object won't all be ne'er-do-well parents who are neglecting children. They'll have their own, what they'll see as being valid reasons for why they wouldn't want the register to be there.
1: Yeah, it's a very controversial topic in the home education space.
0: <laughs> who knew? Who knew it could be a hotbed? <laughs> <laughs> so going back to exams and to GCSE, so we are obviously in this position now where all exams have been cancelled, whether you're mainstream or home educated. And as we heard from Robin Actually, she has still been carrying on regardless because although COVID has struck and she may not have had the same kind of access to exam centres or tutors that she may have done in the past. Actually, she is very self-directed, follows the national curriculum and is studying for five GCSEs that she'll be taking from now on. So she's still carrying on. And so for her, the fact that she can't prove herself in her exams has become quite a blow. She's actually fantastic in her outlook. And but you can see how actually for some students in school would rather have the exams. But actually, Robin and other home educated children are really feeling like they're in some kind of a limbo of not knowing how it is that they can prove the levels that they're at. While at the same time, actually, they've been plowing their way through what they feel would be more of the curriculum than many of the mainstream students would be.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's very stressful for some students who were planning to take their exams in the summer. And then there's been a lot of uncertainty as to how they will be assessed for these teacher assessed grades. Some students were entered for their GCSEs or A-levels at an exam centre, and then the centres have said that they are not offering teacher-assessed grades in certain subjects, so they're not able to offer teacher-assessed grades in certain subjects. And so those families have incurred the cost of re-entering the student at a different exam centre. So that has been stressful for those families. I think it's really important that the students speak to their exam centre to clarify the process for teacher assessed grades. On Monday, the government announced that they're offering a private candidate support grant so that centres will be funded to collect evidence for GCSE and A-levels for private candidates. So it's very important that the centre that that student is entered at are able to apply for that grant.
0: So this is going to be a tricky situation. And you can see it's always going to be a tricky situation because it's completely abnormal and unexpected. But in a mainstream school where the teachers are collecting evidence, they will have two years worth of work to go through, the teacher in a position of knowledge because they'll have either had the grade descriptors by this point or years worth of experience will be able to cherry pick and say, I know that this is a good example of your work. This really shows you in your true light. We'll use your mock exam here and we'll use these pieces here. Whereas a home-educated student won't have that basis of knowing what good looks like for them to be able to cherry pick. And presumably exam centres aren't going to be in a position to say, have you got anything better? Or have you got anything different? Because they'll have no point of reference at all. So can't help but think that homeschool students are really going to be negatively impacted by not having that kind of relationship with one person where they would be able to go back through and sort of discuss what's in their best interest.
1: Yeah, if a child hasn't been taught by a tutor or a teacher in the past and they have no evidence and they're not associated with the learning provider, then they are going to be assessed independently by the exam centre for their grades in the summer. And as you said, collecting the evidence will involve mock exams that they may be remotely examined, they will collect evidence of that child's work over those last two years. But you're right, they don't have that same relationship that a teacher would have with their student if they've known them for two years.
0: And conversely, of course, it's only right to point out that in some situations, actually, then the parents could be Well, these mock results could be falsified. You could come up with something that's a bit better. You could imagine that some parents might start to feel that they need to play the system in a way that they might imagine that teachers are or schools are. I mean, this has become quite rife, I think, for accusations and suspicion.
1: I think, unfortunately, the way that children will be assessed this summer is going to lead to huge grade inflation. There is a real risk of that. There is a risk of it in schools. There's a risk of it for private candidates exam centres are doing everything that they can to make sure that evidence collected is of that child's that child's work and also that it's conducted under exam conditions carried out under exam conditions and that it's as fair as possible i think you know if you look at some of the exam centres they have four processes in place for different private candidates depending on their relationship with the learning provider or the family themselves and they are trying to put every step in place that they can to make it as fair as possible. It may not show their full potential and that will be a real shame. I think that will happen in schools as well. And we're seeing already parents putting pressure on some schools to get the best results for their child. Schools have to hold their ground and exam centres have to do the same and make sure you know you get the best results for every child that is reflective of their full ability of that child.
0: Do you think that we'll see... Exam centers setting mock tests in future over the coming, what have we got now? Is it five or six weeks, I guess, before the June the 18th deadline, so that they can invigilate and hold that true?
1: Yes, I think we were already seeing so we're affiliated with choosing exams, and we're seeing that they have put forward different arrangements for different students, and part of that process is conducting mock exams. I think it's really important that those mock exams are based on the topics that the child has studied for, because the children will not have covered the full curriculum yet. And so they shouldn't be assessed on that whole curriculum, just like what is compared to what is happening in schools.
0: Which is actually really interesting, because Robin had covered the whole curriculum. So she has history coming up. So she will have done all of her history topics, whereas, of course, under the original arrangements for history and English and some others, there was a reduced curriculum or reduced specifications coming out of the exam boards. So Robin has been ploughing her way through all of the content. Now, a school that might have been sitting an exam that had four history topics, for example, would only have had to have covered three as part of the exams, may only have covered two because of all of the additional disruption. Their evidenced work would be based only on those two topics that have been done. Whereas if an exam board were to set a mini-test, which presumably is why Ofqual determined that this wouldn't be a fair thing to do, actually... Now, where do you draw the line? As you say, do you ask fewer questions? Do you have more choices? It seems like it's a bit of a minefield.
1: I think it is. I know that exam centres are requesting topics that the child has covered, so providing them with the full list of topics on the curriculum and asking them to select which parts of the curriculum they have studied. They've said that it's very important that the child has studied the majority of the curriculum so that they can assess them. But You're right, it's a bit of a minefield because everyone will have done something slightly differently and homeschool students will not have been disrupted in the same way that school children have.
0: I suppose also we should take comfort from the fact that although the Department for Education and Ofqual are quite naturally looking at arrangements that suit the vast majority of people, that is to say then students that are in mainstream school environment and sort of playing to that numbers game. The people who are now looking at how you can fairly assess and assign a grade for homeschooled or home-educated students are looking at a much smaller universe so they can really focus on what's right for these pupils. This might be being a little naive and optimistic, but I really hope that the exam centres are genuinely looking at what's the best way forward for these students because it's a trying time for them as well as for everyone else.
1: Yeah, I think last year we saw the exam results process and assessment process was quite chaotic. And so this year, the Department for Education and Ofqual have been much more proactive in thinking about how private candidates should be assessed. It's positive that a private candidate support grant has been offered so that families don't incur a huge cost of the process of evidence collection by the exam centres. That said, At the moment, I believe that is only offered for GCSEs and A-levels rather than IGCSEs, which don't fall under Ofcom. And most students take IGCSEs. (laughs) So that's something that they will need to consider. I don't know what process will be put in place so that families don't have to pay the extra £200 per subject for exam centres to collect evidence when that child has studied for the last two years for those exams and they've already paid the entry fees. So
0: to be clear then... A private candidate for a GCSE or an IGCSE or an A-level will have already paid the fee to enter the exam through the exam centres. The exams aren't taking place. The fee presumably hasn't been refunded. And now exam centres are, by and large or across the board, asking for money to support the collection of the evidence. Yes, that's right. Wow.
1: That's why the government has offered this private candidate support grant, because for A-levels, for example, exam centres are expecting it to cost £300 to issue mock exams, to invigilate those mock exams and to mark them and provide feedback in a grade. That candidate support grant would cover that cost. But for IGCSEs, that sits outside the remit of Ofqual. So I don't know what process will be put in place for that assessment yet. Well, that
0: seems well, it seems like a double taxation. That seems particularly harsh. Yeah on the families that have chosen to go that way.
1: Yeah, it will end up being really costly if there's nothing put in place for IGCSEs.
0: And as you say, the majority of, certainly from our experience, the majority of homeschooled children take IGCSEs.
1: Yeah, because they don't involve, it doesn't have coursework requirements or it's much easier for private candidates to enter for IGCSEs than run than GCSEs.
0: And finally, do you know if, as part of the processes, there's any right of appeal through private candidates where the work has been assessed by an exam centre. Does that follow the same kind of pattern as it would for a mainstream student appealing through school to example?
1: Yeah, they're trying to be as fair as possible and offering as close a process as possible to schools. So exam centres have said that there is a right to appeal.
0: It's really interesting. I think having started our conversation looking at the opportunities that were there, looking at how homeschooling, home educating is a fantastic way of really tapping into creativity, of expanding new horizons, that actually that all sounds tremendous until things start to maybe go wrong. (laughs) And actually now what we've heard with these GCSEs is that actually the system isn't geared up for non-typical. And so actually there are definite downsides, aren't there, to veering off of the path well trodden.
1: It can be more challenging when circumstances arise that are out of the ordinary. Normally A child has entered a centre, and then it will go very similarly to it doesn't how it would be in a school. These last two years have been unusual, and I'm pleased to see that there has been an assessment process put in place for private candidates this year and they have thought about it. But yes, you're right, parents have to be very organized in following what is happening, contacting their exam centre to make sure that they are doing the right things and then adjusting their kind of schedule, the, the process that they're going through for their child to make sure that they get the best outcomes for them. Because it would be such a shame if they're entered, for exam, they prepared for it, and then the exam and says, sorry, we can't offer these teachers assessed grades.
0: And so on balance, you still consider, I presume, as being a founder of the association for homeschooling, that homeschooling is here to stay, that this is an increasing trend that more and more people are going to take advantage of?
1: I think the way that children are educated in school, you know, I'm a classroom teacher. I've seen that as a science teacher, a lot of the enjoyment and the interest is sapped out of children because you're not allowed to teach in a creative way in the classroom. And there is so much focus on preparing for exams through homeschooling, there are just lots of options to adapt that to a child, to tailor it to their interests, and to make sure that they are able to learn about the world around them without feeling the constant pressure of testing. So I do think it works for a lot of children where school maybe hasn't.
0: Hannah, thanks so much for your time. I thought that was really interesting. Now, I'm a fairly non-questioning traditionalist when it comes to my children's education. My wife and I have always been very happy to rely on teachers to provide the education while we supported however we could at home. So I think what I found most fascinating was the variety and nature of different homeschooling techniques and home educating options that are out there. I feel a bit daft, really, for not thinking more about it before. But I think I was probably guilty of thinking that alternative schooling went with alternative lifestyles, and therefore just not for me. But while the numbers of homeschooled children out there is still comparatively low, this clearly isn't just the preserve of the love, peace, and whole wheat families. From what Hannah has told us, the perception that a decision to take a child out of mainstream education is either raging against the machine or simply because the child doesn't fit, is completely outdated. As we've heard, for a growing number, this is about what works best for the child, with the parents taking into account a holistic view. So, homeschooling isn't necessarily a strange deviation from the norm, but it does seem to me that it is a bold and a brave move. There's no doubt that the technology out there is making this much easier for families to deliver an education that follows the curriculum and results in qualifications. And for the majority of our young people, that's going to be important when they start to look at entering the world of work. But it would still worry me how well my child was actually learning. I'm in no position to judge the quality of work or advise or direct on the actual process of learning. And that's clearly what teachers provide in the mainstream. And so I'm left with this sort of overriding feeling that this is a hefty commitment from parents in their energy and their time. And I recognize that this isn't often a situation of a parent taking the role of the teacher. But even so, there's plenty of planning and organization that is involved. And that's before you even start to look at motivating or cajoling young people to do the work itself. So of course, this is a big decision for young people to take when you look beyond the education provision. And I think that this is especially true in teens. While there will be aspects of normal, in inverted commas, school life that children miss out on, like dealing with conflict and other social skills, there are other areas where they're likely to be over-indexing. Areas like self-motivation and organisation. So there are obvious advantages, too, about being able to tailor the day around the subjects and things that a child might find appealing and they'll be interested in. And that bespoke delivery would surely sound appealing to any parent. So I guess, on balance, this is what makes that decision to homeschool such a weighty one. There are phenomenal pros, but there are also considerable cons. I think too, there are inherent risks and dangers when you buck the trend and forge your own path. And homeschooling, of course, is absolutely no exception. Our society is geared to work towards the majority. And we've seen that in the decisions over the last two years with canceled exams. Last year, of course, private candidates, homeschooled students, wouldn't have been able to get their grades at all. And I think it's fair to say that this year, Ofqual have paid much more attention to how this route would work, but it's always going to be incredibly difficult to fairly assess a homeschooled child in a mainstream system without a standardised exam or test. As a result, many homeschooled students are likely to feel frustrated when they, like Robin, have been working hard in preparation for an exam. Without that teacher relationship, they may now feel that they're not going to be able to adequately justify their attainment. And that's got to be tough on them. If you're interested in guidance and an explanation of the process that's involved in grading private candidates, be sure to check out our website, thestudybuddy.com, where we'll do our best to keep you updated with the latest news and developments. Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this episode as interesting and eye-opening as I have. If you did, would you mind taking a moment to leave a five-star rating and perhaps a review too? It really does help us to reach other parents and spread the word on how they can support their own young people. Of course, sharing the link to this and other episodes with your friends on social media is always very much appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the Study Sessions podcast.